we're like we're all shocked. We're live. We're live. Hello. Welcome to shooting the shit. We are here again on another. Well, we're just moaning about how dark it's going. So it's a dark <laughs> and rainy and miserable Monday in November, and we are here to talk about raising feminist boys. Uh, we have actually touched, touched on this subject. I think it's one of the ones we covered right at the beginning of shooting the shit, sort of uh, over yeah. a year ago. Um, but we obviously only touched the surface. So we said we would come back to it and now seemed like a good time to come back to it. So I will let you all introduce yourself in a minute. But first of all, uh, I was reading a, a YouGov poll the other day, uh, uh, just before, sorry, not the other day, uh, which said that in the UK, 81% of men believe in equality amongst the sexes, but only 27% of men will identify as feminists. So mm. it's the same issue. We're always saying, aren't we, with this? And, and that actually isn't that dissimilar to the situation with women. People believe that, that there should be equality. But when you throw the word feminism in there, people all of a sudden get the heebie-jeebies and run away and say, oh, we can't do that. And that's, you know, it's terrible. Um, and I'm I just surprised want to say, it's as many as 21%. Really? Yeah. yeah well, 20, 27 percent. Oh, 27. Yeah. yeah which Even is more surprised. Yeah. 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 I was quite surprised. Oh, were you surprised? I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Yeah. Anyway, so, you know, when we, when we are talking about this full disclosure, you know, we uh, here at Shooting the Shit, we do not believe that women are better than men and we do not believe that feminism is a dirty word. We believe if we are going to destroy the patriarchy and achieve equality, then that that battle has to bring men along with it. They have to be on board with us. They have to come with us. So we need to raise feminist boys just as much as we are raising feminist girls. It's the reason we permit men to come into our lovely shooting the shit community and, and contribute because we can't do this by ourselves, can we? So first and of all, the patriarchy is as damaging to boys as it is girls. And absolutely. we had some comments in the shooting the shit group the other day that was talking about the ways that um, that our society damages men and, and it was as if the person that was commenting had never actually um, read anything that we've written or mm. watched any of the Facebook lives or as if we weren't acknowledging that, that society is hugely damaging for men but we acknowledge it and we need to change it and when we are up here fighting for feminism and for women's rights we're also fighting for uh, for men as well and, and young boys and young girls that are growing up in this society that causes horrible rates of um, death amongst young men and, and suicide in young men. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's not healthy. So absolutely, yes, we're feminists and yes, we want to bring men with us. And yes, this is for the benefit of all. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we will come on to that kind of that that sort of toxic masculinity, because I was just saying before, you know, we've had a horrendous spate of young lads committing suicide in, in my local area recently. Um, and, you know, the, the patriarchy is at fault for that as much as anything else. Uh, let, let's do introductions before we go any any more. We've deep, deep dived into the meaty bit. So first <laughs> of all, um, Gina, what's your name and where do you come from? Hi, I'm Gina Jackson and I am, um, I feel like I'm on a game show. Hi, yes, yes. I'm Gina. Yeah. Come on down. I am originally from Bebby, but I now live across the border in Rochdale. Oh, okay, okay. So you're a defector, are you? Gone over to the dark side, I know. I am actually closer to Yorkshire than I am to Manchester, so I feel that is, that is better. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're we're in Bake Up, so we're only just on the right side of the border. Oh, yeah. Mm. On the uh, other side. 
Yes, well, uh, we'll not go further into that because this is a uh, this is a well worn path with Hannah, the defector to Yorkshire. Uh, Rish, what's your name? Where'd you come from? My name's Marisha or Rish mm-hmm. M. Whatever, whatever. Yeah, just whatever, really. Um, I am originally from Leicester, but I am now in Yorkshire. Um, I am here as the um, the voice of not having children. Um, but I think it's important actually as a to, to, to know what goes on, to understand what goes on. And actually lots of us are aunties, uncles, family members, cousins, you know, we're, we're still part of families, you yeah. know, whether we actually have children or not. And, you know, we can actually play um, a valuable role, obviously, you know, in, in other people's lives and, you know, maybe answer some of those questions that mum and dad can't or dad and dad can't or whoever's around, you know, so uh, it's interesting to be part of the conversation as well. Yeah, I yeah, love right, being an auntie right. and uh, educating my godchildren on the questions uh, that they can't ask their parents. Maybe not you. Maybe not you. <laughs> maybe not you. Yeah, so delicate. <laughs> yeah, I know. She's like a like subtle, like a goose on a bike. She's her own. <laughs> Yeah, we took we took my thirteen year old godson on holiday recently, and and he went home after a week knowing everything about women's bodies, periods, puberty, sex, the lot. <laughs> I bet even his mum don't know all that stuff. No, probably not. Probably not. Um, Hannah, what's your name? Where'd you come from? I'm Hannah. I am a defector. I am firmly on the wrong side of the Pennines because I'm in Yorkshire um, and it is awful and I want someone to come and rescue me quickly. Um, And I'm coming at it from the perspective, I have girls, I have two girls um, and no boys, but I have nieces, uh, nephews, sorry. And uh, I'm just trying to think, do I have friends who have boys? Yeah, you've got Nat. Nat has a boy. Nat has a boy. Yeah, there you go. I have got friends who have boys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, we're all living in society. There we go. Yeah. Uh, And I'm Rachel. I have a a son. He is 12. Yeah. uh, On the verge of... Well, I was going to say, becoming, yeah, becoming a horrendous teenager, but actually that happened about a year ago. So we're fully entrenched in horrendous teenage boy territory. But uh, there are some good points to it as well. Uh, um, and Jeannie, you've got a boy, haven't you? Tell us I about do. Your boy. I've, I've got a five-year-old um, who is firmly in the camp of five going on 15. Mm. Yeah. Um, thinks that because he goes to school and he watches YouTube videos that he knows the whole entire world yes that doesn't get any better i don't think no, no I don't you don't it does. I've, I've got a 20 i've got two 24 year old nephews and yeah it doesn't no absolutely <laughs> not yeah that that path is firmly set okay so um a couple of things we've already started touching on the things that we're going to cover today in terms of sort of the the toxic masculinity but there are a couple of reasons as to why we wanted to discuss this now as we've already said you know spates of suicides amongst young men recently there's been a, a real spike and this isn't just in my area this is a, across the UK lads who are kind of from from 15 to 25 are killing themselves in potentially greater numbers than they they have in such a long time and admittedly a big part of that is going to be COVID uh, and it's going to be the the mental health implications of the pandemic and also you know they they haven't got the same access to jobs and all the rest of it Um, and even before the pandemic it was it was it was on the wrong trajectory and I think a lot of that is to do with kind of defunding and you know well you could say a lot of it but but I think a big chunk of that is a lack of access to mental health support. 
Absolutely. And because of the way that people have to now access mental health support, you have to be able to stand up and say, I am struggling. Please, can I access it? Your doctor won't refer you anymore. You just get given a phone number so that you have Mm -hmm. to phone up and say, I'm not in a great place. Please, can somebody help me? And I think men in particular really struggle with that. They really struggle with having to admit that actually they're not fine and they're not, you know, this paragon of breadwinning masculine virtue that, that we all expect men to be. Um, and, and I, then I think that's even a big then, part of it. That is mm-hmm. a big part of it. And then the support that people can access is very much reliant on them then following that through. Anyone who's ever suffered with ill mental health, which is probably everyone, I would imagine. Um, mm. you know, you've you you some days you feel like you can tackle it and you know you can put your hand on your heart and say, actually, I'm not well. And then the next day or the next minute, you go, I'm fine, I'm fine, actually, I'm fine. And then, you know, you're not fine. And so and so a lot of the, the support that's available at the moment, particularly, is reliant on people um, having the mental space and the, the strength and the support to actually continue to access those services and implement them in their lives. Like, I know well, I a lot think- of people get put on a stress course. Yeah, but the other yeah, thing is as well that girls are sorry, Gina, girls are better at building communities, aren't they? And and so we will talk to each other and we will build those. And if there's a gap in funding and a gap in provision, we will we will fill that gap and we will have our WhatsApp groups, whereas men really struggle to just speak to each other. Uh, sorry, go on, Gina, what were you gonna say? I was just gonna say, like the prevalence of having to do CBT before you do anything else. Like yeah. I when I had a postnatal depression after my little boy was born, it was just thrown at my face that I had to do CBT before I could even talk about medication or I could talk mm. about having counseling or talking therapy and I was like but CBT doesn't work it didn't work for me it doesn't work for everybody so why mm. is it the go-to thing like I have learned different ways of having to cope with my depression my anxiety and medication sometimes help and sometimes it doesn't mm. and it's like you were saying some days I do wake up and I go I am on top of the world I can tackle whatever life throws at me and other days I'm like you know what? Mm. It's just a bit shit, isn't it? Yeah. Postnatal depression is a postnatal depression is a hormonal imbalance. So how is talking therapy going to help you fix a hormonal imbalance? Exactly. Um, imbalance. You need some medication or something yeah. more. You know that, that fixed the root of the problem. So yeah, but a lot of depression definitely... is is a, is an imbalance in mm. uh, serotonin. Like that is a lot of what. It, anyway, we're totally totally. Well, yeah, we're going going to, we are going completely <laughs> off track. Yeah, but I think the, the point point is that you know women are good at we, we support each other we talk we have those conversations I think it was Russell Kane who was talking about uh, he he's he was talking about his whatsapp groups and he was saying when he's in whatsapp groups with women it's very supportive it's what do you need it's are you having a shit day or here's something to cheer you up his whatsapp group with men it's all oh look at this knob and oh look at this guy falling <laughs> over and look which, at this man on the building say that's very much it and he said you know if somebody had asked and said I'm having a really shit day. Everybody was like, oh, fuck off, Darren. You know, come on, pull yourself together. Man up. Don't be such a fucking pisshead. Um, you know, and that's the kind of the, the the attitude that men who are struggling are met with. And this is because we do not raise boys to be feminists. And, and although we have been women and uh, feminists and our mothers were feminists and some of our grandmothers were even feminists, we've still managed to continue bringing boys up in this very patriarchal, very traditional way that boys don't cry and boys don't ask for help and boys aren't allowed to play with dollies and show any Mm. kind of caring responsibility and and you know how seriously how do we how do we stop this how do we interrupt this how do we make it better 
just another point as well before we come on to kind of practically how we might do that in the wake of Sarah Everard I know we've talked about that a lot on on this uh, chat but a lot of men after that first of all felt very attacked there was all of those memes around the not all oh. men yeah and you know of course it's not all men you know as we we've got sons we've got husbands we've got boyfriends right. you know some well, I men think how, do, how do you know which men it is mm, exactly yeah do you ever play it's that all game men until yeah. they prove to me that it's not yeah yeah do you ever play that game have you meta like i always play this and i don't know if this is if I, this is not the place to admit it but like do you think you've ever met a pedophile do you think you've ever met someone yeah. that is like like capable of murder and like you know whenever well i'm a big true crime fan because i'm such a walking cliche and Me whenever too. you yeah <laughs> and whenever you like listen to these you know watch these documentaries Oh, they were so unassuming, and oh, they were so this and so that. Like, it, if you're a woman walking down the street, uh, and it's the middle of the night or whatever, or it's dark, or if you're in a club, it it is all men. Like, it mm -hmm. could be all men. The danger is all around. Yeah, I absolutely. think I think there's a statistic that I think you will meet at least three psychopaths just walking down a the week. street. A fucking week, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just walking, just walking down the street to your local Tesco, yeah. you will see. Or interact with at least three psychopaths. It's like you're never more than more than six foot away from a rat. You're never more than London, six foot yeah. away from a psychopath. <laughs> oh, I love it. Love it. Yeah, but I mean, this is the thing, and and there were all of these narratives came up, and all of the men became very, very well. Not all of the men, quite a lot of vocal men on social media, particularly, became very, very defensive. And it's not me. It's not you know. I'm not a rapist. I'm not going to kill you. And exactly like you say, you know, until uh, how do we know? How do we know which one uh, are going to kill us and which aren't? So how do we a lot of men started asking that question how do we become allies how do we prove to women that we're not going to murder them and i was listening to a podcast the other day i think uh, i don't know that you listened to it hannah read uh, seeing red and they were talking about sarah everard and he was saying you know how can men be an ally walk a long way behind women don't come up on them in the dark you know don't surprise people don't offer to give them lifts at night and all of these things are really practical but then i thought this is fucking batshit, isn't it? We are now giving, you know, men have to have the same level of paranoia around their activities as women have. We're always like, got to walk with your keys. And and now we're saying, oh, men, you know, don't talk to women if it's dark and don't walk behind them and make Stay sure you keep your distance. Away from yeah, them. yeah. Hell, what a world are we living in? Exactly. How to be an ally? Don't rape, don't spike, don't assault, <laughs> don't like. Yeah. I think, and I think that's why a lot of men get frustrated on like Twitter and things because it's like, we get that you don't have, you don't want to police, women don't want to police their everyday interactions with people. You know, we don't want to have to have somebody on speed dial that can save us. We don't want to yeah. have to check the police with another police officer. We don't want to have yeah. to be with all our friends 24-7 just to walk home. We should be able to walk home in the dark by ourselves. It should just be natural. Mm. But again, on the flip side, men also shouldn't have to, men also say like, well, you can't even go up to a woman now without offending her. And I do I do understand where they're coming from because it must be mm. so difficult to just be able to be used to being able to just go up to someone and say, hi, how are you? And now mm. women everywhere are like, ah, get away from me. And yeah. I think for men, it just kind of cements that it is, as, as much as I say it's all men until they prove otherwise, there are obviously allies out there and they do need to make themselves known. And that is a great, like, this oh. 
Foster. She's gone. She's come back. She's come yeah. back. <laughs> but I like the point that she's making. Like, like it must be for well, we know it. Oh, we lost you, Gina. What was oh, you? Oh, sorry. Um, just saying that there's like loads of initiatives in bars, like where you can go up to a, a bartender and say, like, such and such, I need to ring somebody. Bring yeah. you to the name or something, and they'll help you. I think that's really important, but also it does it does kind of make you feel why are we doing this? Why don't yeah. men just understand just not to sexually assault, rape, and murder women? Yeah, and I think the other thing is with that, you know, there's so many schemes, aren't there? We were talking about this like with the the period product. You know, if you need some some sanitary pads, go up to I think it's like Sandy in Morrison's or it's Joan in Tesco. I mean, how do you know which bar you're in? Who you're supposed to ask for? You know, you're supposed to ask to ring Mabel, or you're supposed to ask, can you get a taxi for Sandra? You know, what the yeah. fuck is the code? word in this place and but I think it's a really good point actually and I do think like you say this is the first time I think that men have suddenly realized you know all of a sudden they are being asked to regulate their behavior to, to change how they re how they respond to women and things that's perhaps the first time this has happened and I think that's why it's hitting home so much I think this mm. is perhaps why they're getting feeling so cross and so frustrated because they've never regulated their behavior in the way women have had to have they and it's fair enough, like, you know, if you're just a normal man going about your everyday law-abiding, non-raping, non-misogynistic business, then it must be frustrating. Yeah. Um, and I think I think it is just the the small, but it's not a small percentage, is it? It's so many people. It's, like... yeah, it's 80, I think we're on 85 women now have been murdered since Sarah Everard was murdered. So, you know, that's 85 men who have attacked or, and killed a, a, a woman. Um, that we know of. Yeah that we know of that we know of exactly and how, how much more is happening behind closed doors and of course it's not all men and of course domestic abuse happens to men as well as much that you know well not as much but in the same respect that it happens to women happen, but yeah. you know statistically you are more likely to be attacked by a man than a man being attacked by a woman um but also men are more likely to be attacked by men that like the yes. single like young men are so vulnerable from other young men, especially in inner cities where knife crime is at the highest. Like young men, more young men are killed than young women um, mm. because they're victims. And they are of, killed by men, exactly. And they're killed yeah. by men. So, you know, this this is not just an issue that, that is affecting women. So when we talk about hashtag not all men, like not all men are doing the perpetrating. But, but men are vulnerable as well when you're out there. Mm, absolutely, absolutely they are. Especially like young lads in gay bars in the, you know, especially yeah. in the gay scene around Manchester. So many like, I mean, we, we're looking at a campaign about spiking at the moment. Um, and, you know, that is as rife in, in the, the bars in Manchester down Canal Street as it is anywhere else you know men are raping and killing and attacking men just as much as they're killing women so so how do we you know how do we stop this obviously we are not going to in the in the next three months or whatever stop this this kind of violence but surely raising feminist boys has got to start to do something to decrease this level of violence that seems to be increasing in the male population i don't know reach what do you think well it's it's interesting because um you know i think it's 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 the, my go-to i guess really about talking about it and being open but you know from from my perspective i i think there's also there's a massive generational thing um going on there as well because you know the the people that are 
I guess, you know, like my mum, my nan, that kind of era, you know, if a male is, you know, upset for some reason or if they're showing emotion for some reason, it's very almost kind of, oh, you know, like, yeah. you know, if, if they're, they, you know, are upset and they're crying, oh, it's crying. Do you know what I mean? They almost don't know how to deal with it either. Yeah. And I yeah. think, the, you know, you say about, you know, our mothers were feminists and actually not all of them are. And mm. so there is a massive kind of... Um, movement and i think there's there's this kind of we have to to basically step in as a generation to change and to allow people to be able to speak and to just say that it's okay and it could be something as simple as that you know so i think there's it's it's an assumption that everyone's wanting to change now but i think people just don't even think about it don't even realize you know it's the same you know it's it's a real hard thing to do especially if you're the first person saying no i don't agree with what you just said yes. um, you know but that has to happen you know someone has to stand up and do it i guess really as for yeah for and it can okay cause it can cause serious issues with family. I mean, Gina and I, before you two right. logged on, we were just talking about, you know, in-laws and Christmas presents and the kind of difficulty of saying, you know, I would like my child to have this sort of presence and they mm -hmm. don't abide by that because they don't believe you, they don't understand it, they don't see where you're coming from, you know, they've they bought their children, this stuff, they're quite happy to carry on. And so it can be hard to be the person that's saying, like, actually, yeah. I would like to set different standards or different boundaries. And just on that thing about crying as well, I mean, this, these are some of the tips that we're going to come on to. To, but there's a real thing there isn't there and I, when when Leon was little if he would hurt himself say he'd fall over or something and he would start to cry and Dally would say to him like suck it up suck it up stop crying and it wasn't necessarily because Leon was a boy that he was saying that he was saying that because he doesn't want a whiny child he wants a child that can pick itself up and carry on and you're not going to mollycoddle it and and that is an important skill but what he was subconsciously doing was telling Leon that it wasn't all right to cry and I was then coming in going you know actually no that's okay if you're upset you can cry that's all right but you know you do it quickly and then crack on because you know you get three minutes and then we're moving on um, but you know that's that's really those are the practical kind of things aren't they you know where you don't want to raise a kind of molly coddled baby for want of a better word um but also you need to let them show that emotion. You need to let them cry. You need to let them express themselves. And that's really hard for, I think, people who were brought up in quite traditional families to understand, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Especially yeah, when it comes to emotion. You know, I yeah. think it's different if it's a, an injury, you know, something that's visible. You know, mm -hmm. we can all deal with something that's visible. It's there. You know, you can see if you're bleeding or you've twisted or whatever, you know. But when it comes to emotion, it's that that's the thing. I can't see it. Therefore, I can't relate. Therefore, move on. I'm not interested. Yeah. Come on, sort yourself out. I'll be fine. Yeah, you know, whining. it's that. Yeah, yeah that that's got to change. Stop whining. And that's exactly how that, um, you know, uh, grows into mental health issues because we are mm. not allowing our boys to say, actually I'm hurt whether that's physically or mentally or that upset me or whatever that then becomes the I can't seek mental health support when I'm having an actual physical breakdown at age of 19. Mm. Um, uh, Samara's made a really good point actually which I'd like to come on to she, about it takes a village to raise a children and, and mm. that consistent messaging in schools and from parents and you know back to what we were saying before about us being the, the, the you know the parents sometimes the fussy mother and the, the in-laws don't necessarily see why we're making all these rules and stuff 
again, raising feminist boys, I set quite what I thought were quite feminist standards for my child before he went to nursery and school. And then he goes to school and it's all out the bloody window because they're getting all these messages at school that are completely different. So when we talk about raising feminist children, I think it's really important that we figure out a way of getting those messages into schools, nurseries, colleges even. Um, you know, how, how do we do that and make sure that that continues? I think because it's not just um the schools and the nurseries it's the other families i remember yeah. uh, a lot of conversations with naya where you know such and such a body said this in the playground and when i was teaching i was teaching p uh, what were they called p not pgc pshe PSHE, yeah yeah thanks um and you know you're giving one message and and it could be about literally anything social cohesion feminism even like money management but it's always like oh my dad says this no my mum says that and that's just how we've always done it and i'm not you know i'm gonna listen to my mum and of course you're gonna listen to your parents and mm. those those uh ideas and and attitudes are so ingrained by the time they get to school um, even by the time they get to primary school, that it's very, very difficult to combat that if, as a teacher or as a nursery nurse, if, you're, if they're then going home and having it all unpicked. And it's very, very difficult to, you know, it does take a village to raise a child and there's a lot of influences on a child by the time they reach the point of high school, by which point their attitudes are too ingrained. It's too late, you could argue. Mm. So, you know, it's got to be joined up. Mm, Gina, you must have seen this fairly recently because if your son's five, you must yeah. be experiencing this now. So we are quite lucky with our school that we have, um, they have a literacy programme for boys to get more boys into reading and being able to to show like their interest in more girly pursuits like reading and writing and, you know, being able to add up and things like that. And um they also have, yeah, even though I'm terrible at math, so it's clearly not that girly. Um, no. And they also have a thing called Headspace, where each table per day can have one time out kind of thing, where, you know, they can all go away to a little area in the classroom, and it can be on their own or on their table of six or five, I think it is. And they can just have time out from the rest of the class. And they can kind of go, they can reflect on what they've done that day. They can speak to a teacher. They have like two TAs in the class. So they can speak to one of the TAs about anything that's bothering them or on their mind. You know, it just gives them a, a bit of a time, a bit of a break away from the general hubbub of the, the entire classroom. Mm. And I think for my son, having been having started school during COVID has actually really helped because he hasn't been able to, he's not been able to see what other classes do so he's not had that that mainly like I don't know a lot of his class are um th there's a quite an equal mix of boys and girls but they are mainly Asian so we were not worried but we were kind of like what are we going to do if the awkward conversations come up about colour and race and this and that and we have a few parents who are single parents or they're part of a a, a gay or um gender fluid couple and things like that so it's kind of like let's let's look at this and they're very good with families and how families work and blended families and single parent families and things so we've been really really lucky that he's mm. had that education already and that you know two of my sisters are single parents my dad has died so my mum's on her own you know and like his best friend's um mum is a single mum we know a couple of gay people with children so it's kind of like we've always kind of got that in the back of our mind that we can 
always use that as a learning point and we do try and make mm. sure that he's learning all the time the only thing that we do struggle with is that Craig my other half's family are very very traditional mm. and everything is very much men and women men do this and women do that and it's ingrained throughout the generation so we're trying to make sure that Callum helps with bedtime and he makes his own bed and he tidies his bedroom every day and he's dead good at that and he helps us tidy up and he helps me do the washing and he helps us cook he does his own breakfast and I think it's just little things like that that make we make it fun and we make it exciting and we go you can get a marble or you can get something in the jar you can take a stick something off your tick sheet or you can do some coloring after school Uh and I think it's just making sure that boys know it's okay to want to be a good dad and a good parent mm. and a good partner and you know making your bed doesn't have to be boring he has he doesn't have a proper duvet at the minute he likes his he's got two disney blankets so he just throws his disney blankets on um mm. and he makes his bed but he, he has like wafts them about and he'll pretend they're capes and he'll pretend he's a superhero before he does it and we just kind of let him crack on and say just do what you like mate mm. and as long as your bed's made by the time i leave i'm not bothered You've got but so I, much patience, Gina. I'm like, yeah, fucking suck. If it's me doing it, I'm just like, oh my god, will this child just make his fucking bed because we have to leave in a minute and he's not even dressed? But if it's if it's my partner doing it, it's like, yeah, it's fine. Let's just play, do this, and I'm like, where's his fucking shoes? Where's his tie? Where's his? <laughs> I think that's it. When you were saying like he, he can learn that is um, that making the bed is fun, I was like, yeah, no, it's. No, it, it's not fun, but you've just got to bloody do it. That's the point. Yeah. You've just got to crack on. It's not fun. You've just got to do it. That's, and that's the we, we try and make as many chores as possible fun. Yeah. And then we kind of fight for the first month or so. It's like, this is fun. And then after yeah. the month, I'm like, right now, we've just got to crack just on. Have it. Well, of course. Like, no, it. Exactly. You, At that age, that's it. the way to do it, isn't it? Make it fun. And then it yeah. becomes a habit and it becomes something that mm. they just have to do. Yeah. And, and that's absolutely I, the way. I mean, go on. I think I think as well, like not having loads of family near us has been a big help. Like we mm. live quite far from my in-laws. We live two hours away. My mum and my sisters live about 30 minutes away. We see them once, twice a week, if that. So we don't have that big, we don't have that big village near yes. us. So we have to make our own. So like my friend and her mum are, are part of my support network, my running club are my support network, my networking for work and my network, mm. and they have a big help. And I just think while you need a village, you, it doesn't have to be your family if they're yeah. not the right village for you. If you yeah. have a support network of your friends who are kind of on the same wavelength as you about parenting or your beliefs and things, stick with them. Make them mm. your village. Don't, it doesn't mm. have to be your mum. So you I think you're be pulled back when... on everything. When we were bringing Leon up, uh, well, obviously we're still bringing Leon up, but when he was little, um, we, uh, Dally's parents are very traditional um, and they, like he had baby Jack, for example, I was telling someone about baby Jack the other day, uh, he, it was his little doll, he carried him everywhere, he had a little cross the shoulder changing bag that he used to take, he had a little push chair and he loved his baby Jack and he would take it everywhere. And when when he first went down to his grand and granddad's with baby Jack, the first thing his granddad did, to be fair, they didn't say anything to him against it but they did immediately buy him uh, a tool set and start to teach him how to do that and I was like do you know what I'm not first of all you know pick your battles I'm not going to argue against this because yeah you know it, it's practical to learn tools as well as it is to learn taking care of a baby um, but I took the approach of I'm not going to actively 
fight this head on. I will just gently counteract it at home because I think the thing with raising particularly kind of feminist boys is you, you're never going to get rid of those other arguments mm. that come out yeah. externally. They're going to hear the other side of it at school, at college, whatever, on the bus even, you know, which is, seems to be a den of iniquity, the school bus. Uh, you know, they're going to get those contradictory messages and what you've got to be able to do is raise them so that they can hear those messages but rationalise them themselves and hear it perhaps a contradictory message at home that says, yeah, all right, everybody says that pink is a girl's colour. Well, actually, you know, it might not be a new no. And they might not be, you know, one of the points about, uh, you know, raising feminist boys is enable them to challenge those kind of stereotypes when they hear them. Some children are not going to be comfortable at that. They're not going to feel able to speak up against the peers and say, well, actually, pink is, can be a boy's colour as well. You know, but as long as you enable them to have that narrative in your head, you've kind of done the job, haven't you? So yeah. they can kind of combat it internally. But I think this is part of the challenge. I think the thing, two things, the thing that Gina said about um, her boys' school doing, uh, raising uh, raising attainment levels in boys, raising literacy levels, that's really important because actually statistically boys are falling behind in attainment and aspiration. And in secondary schools, there's a lot of work going on to raise aspirations and attainment in boys of all backgrounds and of all abilities because that has been steadily declining over the years uh, and boys achieve far less than girls in education so that's really important that boys are leveled up to, to coin the, the phrase um in order to compete in the workplace and stuff and, and be kind not just kind of you know ride along on the fact that they're boys so i think um teaching empathy through literacy you know reading books teaches you empathy and teaches you emotional literacy as well as actual literacy because you're seeing things from other people's perspectives so pursuing literature interests is really important and and having those literacy skills for boys is part of the battle in in fighting the patriarchy and then secondly a lot of this relies on not teaching attitudes and and you know feminist theory it's it's instilling self-esteem uh, in them and critical thinking skills if you have a, a core of of high self-esteem and you hold yourself in high regard and you respect yourself and you have an emotional literacy that enables you to you have the vocabulary to express yourself, then like you say, it doesn't matter if they've not got the outward confidence to challenge uh, opinions and, and things that are thrown at them on the bus, as long as in their heart they know that having, you know, wearing nail varnish as a boy or, um, you know, not wanting to do football, wanting to do dancing, that's okay because, you know, that's, that's acceptable in society. Mm. So I think, you know, there's a lot of things that need to come into play. And I do think that people are taking the right steps towards that. It just needs to come together. And I guess if anyone could kind of Ray, you know, figure out how to raise self-confident children. Yes, they're, they're, they're on to a winner. <laughs> um, I just want to, so we have got eight kind of tips, which we're going to go through in a minute, which I'm going to throw at all of you uh, on, on kind of things that we can do. And we have actually covered most of them, so I just want to run through them. But, but I just want to go back to a point that you made then, Hannah, about, and we, we said it at the beginning, 
you know, boys' attainments levels in schools are falling. They, they are not achieving as well as girls are achieving. GCSEs, you know, girls consistently do better at GCSE and A-level and degree level than and boys that, do. It starts, yeah, it starts really young. And, and that is consistently blamed on feminism. You know, this, this kind of uh, anti-feminist rhetoric that gets thrown at us quite a lot is, you know, well, you know, the, there isn't equality because boys perform really poorly in school. Why do we think that that is? Why, why are boys... Why are girls outperforming boys in school? Is, do you think, think it is? Go on, I think Kim. because boys, boys have been able to coast and they've always had an opportunity of a job at the end of it. Mm. You know, there's always been, you know, if, if you're a tradesman, you've always been able to get your boy into the trade. If mm. you're an accountant, you know somebody who needs somebody who could be an office junior. So he's automatically got a job. It doesn't matter if he can read or write. He's got a job somebody will take him in and girls have had to consistently work harder to prove themselves that they are worthy of a job and they are worthy of making their own money and they're worthy of looking after their family especially if they're single parents or part of a co-parenting situation or a blended mm. family you you feel certainly when I was um with my ex I constantly felt like I had to prove myself that I could do as well as him because mm. he was the higher learner and it was always thrown back in my face, like, you don't earn as much as me. Yeah, but I work in a dead-end job, so I'm not going to mm -hmm. earn as much as you. And that's fine. That's fine for me. And now that I have my own business, and actually my, part my partner now is coming on board with me in April, it's kind of like we're more equal. We're able to see that the equality there, that some days, some weeks I'll learn more than he will. And some mm -hmm. weeks he'll learn more than, but it all goes into the same point. It doesn't matter to us. Doesn't who earns as, it doesn't matter yeah. to me who earns yeah. as much as long as we're all, as long as we can pay my mortgage and yeah. my son's fed and clothes. I'm not really bothered. Yeah. And I think men have just been able to kind of go, GCSEs and A levels don't matter because my dad can get me a job. My yeah. dad's friend can get me a job. And I, I think they've just been able to coast for 50 odd years that they've just never bothered. I so think also always... there's. Oh, go on. Sorry. There has always been a big push as well on girls' attainment. Uh, and that's only particularly changed in the last kind of like 15 years, maybe. So, um, you know, by that point, boys are already most of the way through their education. Um, all the, the formative bit has been done because really it all starts in primary. And I think um, education sometimes is weighted more towards skills that benefit the way girls it's very academic learn. isn't it it's very yeah. academic and yeah that that thing of also you know I remember being at well obviously I remember being at high school I haven't got dementia but you know there, there was just this expectation that I would work very hard and I would try my best and I would get to university and and that I remember that pressure always being there mm. and yet when I look at the kind of boys that were around me yes some of them had you know slightly pushy parents but there wasn't that same level of expectation I think like you say Gina you know if you're not academic it's fine you can go be a, a brickie or a plumber or a sparky or, do or whatever yeah, there yeah, are, you know, there are opportunities. Yeah. yeah. Whereas for me, it was, there was never any plan B. It was you will go to university and you will get a degree that will enable you to get a job. And that's it. You know, the, the thought of being a brickie or a sparky, that was never open to me. And that might but be changing now. Go on, Rich. I think as well, I think there's there's a massive amount to be said for, you know, just um, you know, <laughs> from from my perspective, I think it, it's more a case of if you are a a geek or a boff as a boy it's an issue if it's a, if it's the other yeah. way around not so much 
you know, uh, yeah, just, just, just play it out there. That's, that's absolutely how it yeah. is for me. You know, we could put yeah. all these other things in, in the conversation, but ultimately it's, you know, if you want to achieve better as a boy, when you're at school, you know, there is an issue with that. You obviously, yeah. you almost don't want to, because then that puts you into a different bracket. Not Therefore, cool. you're more likely yeah. to get bullied or it's not cool absolutely. or it's not this, it's not that. So I think, you know, there's, there's that element as well. So it's almost like, not necessarily, I'm not saying that it's, you know, that the levels are falling. It's, you know, the other things come with that as well. So, you know, yeah. it's opportunities are there. Of course they are, you know, but there's all this other, you know, kind of impact, you know, from it's all right. Or, you know, I go home, I got bullied today because I scored high on my maths test. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And there, there always seems to be an acceptance of, oh, well, in that case, next time, don't do so well. Do yeah. you know what I mean? It literally yeah. is that. It's like that know. toxic masculinity all over again. Isn't it is. It? It's, it is. it's okay to be a bit geeky. I, I, I was a geek as a kid and all my friends were male yeah. and female. But when I think back to my group of friends at school, I mean, we were the biggest geeks, as Hannah will attest, oh, in, in the world. Me. Oh, my but, God. It was embarrassing. You know, yeah, but, you know, when I think about the, the boys, they would know, you know, I was enabled, I was able to say, you know, yeah, I've revised for this test and I want to pass it. I would never dream of a lad doing that. And if you ask Leon now, you know, he just coasts through everything. He won't, he won't try or he won't be seen to be trying because exactly. it is not cool and exactly. even like after after school clubs and extracurricular stuff yeah you know, I, I was on the sports teams and I also was on the academic you know like the debate team and stuff and and the boys were on sports teams were on sport you know we went on sports trips they were not on like in the history club and they weren't in the debate club and if they were they were like the biggest nerds and well it, yeah know. I said to Liz so Leon's joined trampolining club and I was saying to him I was like, oh is there a choir is there some sort of music club that you can join or join a choir oh, no, like, I'm not joining choir <laughs> I'm not, not joining choir oh my god uh, right time is marching on girls so just in the last five minutes I just want to go through there's as I say there's eight points here that are kind of tips for raising feminist boys so first one we've already said it let them cry someone tell me why does that matter why should we let boys cry? Is this a why quiz? does it matter? Is this a <laughs> this is, yeah, essentially. <laughs> treat it like a quiz, Rish. I want answers for you. We're doing a fucking podcast, mate. Come on. Talk. I was well confused then. Is that a statement? Is that a question? We've gone back into come on down. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you win a prize, Rish, if you get it right. <laughs> no, no prizes. <laughs> I just expect excellence from all of you. Because <laughs> we're girls. It's because we're yeah. girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. We're academic. I think we should let them cry so they know it's okay. It's okay to yeah. cry. Yeah, we've absolutely if, got it. If my son, if my son's learned anything in his five years, that it, it's okay to cry. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the thing with that as well is, you know, let them see you cry, and I think yeah. that's really important. Let the, I mean, good role models is a, is another one, but in mm. fact, it's the next one. So you know, good role models, but also role models, you know, put good role models in front of your children. So let them see men that are vulnerable, but also let them see, you know, relationships that work. That it's demonstrable that boys that grow up without father figures really struggle with that kind of emotional maturity really struggle to make connections with people because they don't see how a, a kind of relationship works a, a marriage how a man should treat a woman so it's really important is it we put the right people in front of our children 
It is. And I think, you know, I think as girls, as women, we're often more emotionally intelligent because that's how we've been raised and we've been allowed to be. And and it's a struggle for, for the fathers sometimes. And I think right. you as 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 a mother, you need to take the father to one side and say, you know, sometimes that wasn't okay, that wasn't very feminist, you know, that he needs to be able to do that. You need to show that emotion, you know, it's okay if you want to show that emotion. Like we've got to do it as a team, and sometimes that means you know, being told when you're wrong and yes. but also hear when you're wrong as well. Um, that's really important yeah so, and that's the hardest bit for a lot of people isn't it it is for you definitely yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely um okay uh, number three on my list then let them express themselves and play with the things they want to now this is different from crying what i mean is you know let them wear makeup let let boys try out dressing in in uh, jewelry and trying on heels and playing with dollies and all the rest of it why, why does this matter well, do you know what? It's really interesting, this. So I obviously have girls and it's almost shameful if if your daughter wants to be pink and glittery and flowery because you think, oh, God, like they've fallen into the patriarch. No, like, why is it OK for boys? Like, you know, why are we encouraging boys to be pink and glittery and flowery? But it's mm-hmm. not OK for girls. So if your boy wants to you know, dress as a, a farmer or, you know, be a bloody tradesman all his life, let him be. But also if he wants to be a fairy princess, let him be because mm. there's no, like, it's like that old meme, like, is this toy suitable for children? Like, is this toy for boys or girls? Do you operate the toy with your genitals? No, it's yeah. for either. Yes, this toy is not for children. <laughs> well, I, I actually downloaded that. I was going to upload it to the group before, but I'll put it in the chat so that people It's my favourite meme, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's true. And I mean, my mum always used to joke that Leon would be getting his, his first job at, uh, at Funny Girls in Blackpool because the first thing he ever used to do when she turned up was try as... Well, first of all, she'd eat, he'd eat her diabetic chocolate bar that was for emergencies. Yeah. Then, then he would try on her makeup. Um but you know, it's so far I've no uh, no adverse uh, things. Right. So <laughs> number four. So that is apparently uh, number four. Teach them to take care of themselves and do chores. Gina, you've already said about this, haven't you? You know, make it fun to begin with. But they've just got to help around the house. It's really practical stuff, isn't it? And it also and- means that sometimes you can have a break. You can, yeah. Like, you know what? It's your get a if they're older, get a list together of what chores everybody in the house has to do, and make sure they stick to it. Like we mm. don't. I'm preaching to myself here that yes, I should yeah. do this as well because I do not. Um, but yeah, make a list. Make sure people know what they're doing on a weekly basis and stick to it or try to. Mm. People have busy lives. Let's not say that we're all. Let's not pretend that we're all perfect parents because we're not, and we're all perfect mm. people. And just yeah just make sure that you know if they don't do the chores what happens is there a consequence do they have to do it the next day and make sure that it's done yeah. or is there a consequence mm, after that but that's really yeah ab- absolutely make sure that they are helping around the house because yeah. yeah, this is the use... biggest bugbear is that it's particularly between relationships of our generation at the moment and, and it's talked about a lot on the on the page you know men that just don't pull the way around the house and the the pure fact is they were not taught to they were not mm. taught to do it the same way we were go on Hannah so you were going to say what you use we use it we Naya has a rooster card and you can set it's like a prepaid bank card and you can set chores in it and so oh, every okay. time she does a chore 
uh, she, we can either say you have to do it to get your pocket money and she gets a percentage of whatever chores she's done that month for her pocket money, which is usually sweet fuck all because she doesn't do bugger all. Uh, or she can get extra earners. Um, so it costs us absolutely nothing because she will do nothing. But there's no, there's no, you know, the consequence is she's no spending she money. There's no pocket yeah. money. Yeah. The money. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to move us on. Uh, the next one: teach them to care. And again, we touched upon this a little bit with with letting them, you know, letting them play with dollies, let them do that. But again, if they've got little brothers or sisters, or they've got nieces or nephews or whatever, teach them to to change a nappy and to look after the baby because absolutely, that's the dad's role as much as it's the mum's role, isn't it? Yeah, I think pets are a good stand-in as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, have a pet and teach them how to look after it. And again, with that, make sure they do and you don't end up doing it all. <laughs> Work on that one, Hannah. Uh, number six, encourage friendships with girls. I think this is really important. You know, boys, again, the, there are stats on this. Boys that grow up in predominantly male households without the presence of women, uh, they they do not have that same level of empathy towards girls. But again, you know, boys get to that age of what, six or seven, and all of a sudden it's, you know, stop playing with girls now and, you know, find somebody your own. And, we've got to combat that haven't we i think yeah, i think the schools are getting better though um i can only speak for my for our school but they have mixed um mixed tables so there's always three of each um mm. like boy or girl on the table and they really encourage playing with the other sex so it's kind of like if callum callum is very very sensitive so he does struggle with dealing with boys because he doesn't have that he doesn't have that same yes. brain span um as a boy he doesn't get rough and tumble he doesn't like it um so like today he got he had a soft head. teddy to the face he had a soft teddy to the face by yeah. his mate, <laughs> cried his eyes out and the teacher was like right and we've started doing this is it your are you bodily hurt or is it your feelings that are hurt and if it's your feelings yeah. that are hurt how can we combat that and then he just go and she was just like, why don't you just go and play with another child? And he always goes to the girls. He always yeah. goes straight to the girls who are more like who are more likely to go, oh my God, Gallum, are you okay? Let's try, mm. let's let's yeah. play with you. We'll, we'll we'll look after you and automatically be there for him. Whereas the boys are just more likely to go, what are you crying for? Yeah, Leon. Yeah. yeah, Leon. <laughs> yeah. So Leon's been brought up with, you know, his his nieces. He's an only child. But yeah, his his group of friends is girls rather than boys. That's just who he feels more comfortable with. Um, okay. Uh, teach them respect and boundaries, and teach them that no means no. I mean, this is just basic, isn't it? We've got to teach, and we've got to teach this to girls as much as boys. But as well, when we are teaching our girls, you know, about consent, we need to be teaching our boys about consent as well, don't we? And I think it's role modeling that as well yourself. You know, if like if you're tickling and and you know kissing and blowing raspberries on them or whatever, and they say stop, stop immediately. And yeah. if they don't want a hug, don't hug them, and mm. you know, don't make them kiss relatives if they don't want to, and things yeah. like that. Like you've got to respect their body um, and their privacy and, and their like consent as much as you expect them to do it to other people. And it's really hard. You know, I was talking about my godson, the one, the one who I took on holiday and taught him all about the world. You know, he he doesn't like to be touched. He doesn't like to be hugged. He feels really uncomfortable about it. Um, and, and it's really hard for me to remember that because I'm I'm the kind of person that just grabs the children in and gives them a hug. Uh, and he's always like this. I'm like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. You know, I've invaded your 
boundaries. And I get why grandparents really struggle with this, particularly, you know, they want to give the grandchildren a kiss, don't they? And and you're going, actually, no, until they've said that that's allowed, don't do it. So, I, you know, whilst we're giving out these glib things, it, it's actually really quite hard to do it in practice, isn't it? Oh, I love blowing raspberries on the baby's tummy and she fucking oh. hates it, but it's yeah. just the most joyful thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, eat them. Uh, okay, and the final one, the final one, call, uh, enable them to call out intolerance. We touched on this before, you know, enable them to call it out. And also, you know, think about language. Don't use the word girl as an insult. You know, don't say, you know, man or girl. Like a girl. You, you yeah. Like a girl. Yeah, all of that kind of stuff. Stop being a fanny, grow some yeah. balls, or, no, get ready. Yeah, and enable them to be advocates. You know, some one of the other mums from school texted me the other day and she was like, the, the, the kids have all um, changed schools and Leon is the class rep. Um, and I was telling him about how girls need to go to the toilet because they might be on the period, so teachers shouldn't stop them. And so he started a campaign now within the class to enable girls who need to go to the toilet, well, boys as well, anyone that needs to go to the toilet should be allowed to go to the toilet. And I was like, oh, I'm so proud of that. That is so yeah. cute. <laughs> But again, you know, it's an, it's just enabling them. You have that. I had that conversation with him probably about two months ago. Um, and all of a sudden that's trickled down and followed through. So just enable them to be advocates for girls and to stand up and, you know, not to join in with, you know, oh, you're a girl and you feel like a girl and you shit and all the rest of it. We've got to equip them for that, haven't we? And yeah. you're really good at talking to Leon about like, you know, big issues and kind of making it normal and, and like that's something that I try and emulate with with Naya, you know, like talking about gender issues and um, sexuality and you know things like that. Um, but I'm yeah, there's no boundaries talk. in our house, though. That's the thing. Well, <laughs> we, no we literally just talk about everything all the time. <laughs> I mean, there's no real boundary. That nothing is off the table, but I never think to bring it up. Um, and and you know that's that's it. Like it just doesn't enter my my head. Yeah. And, Oh, poor old Leon gets the feminist rant every day when I'm making tea. But that, isn't that, that, that's like a really key point, you know, that Hannah said just then is that, you know, I don't really think to bring it up. And I think that's it. That, mm. that is, it, you know, it all is that, you know, you just kind of yep. go on, don't you, through life and you do what you do and you, you, you know, and I think there's, for me, you know, there's an awful lot to be said for, you know, that role model or for demonstrating. And, you know, I think there's there's a lot of people that, you know, even if you don't have people to handle in your village or in, you know, your family, there's there's more of it in 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 celebrity as well now. You know, I'm not saying you look to them for answers by any stretch, but you know, <laughs> there is, you know, the, the the but there are, you know, like um people that are coming out with femininity and this that and the other and don't care what they look like or how they dress and mm -hmm. and actually and there's there's a footballer that's recently come out as openly gay for example and you know i think the fact that that's only just happened all right yeah. we'll be part of that for the time being but yeah. you know there it's it's becoming more acceptable and accepted you know that people are starting to have conversations so even if you don't have something you know immediately in front of you there's there are ways to find you know people to look up to or to to kind of use ex as examples um mm. or be an I example yourself that, yeah that. that's exactly it Rich. yeah and, and i i again you know when we're saying we come out with these glib recommendations of how to do it i get that some people don't feel comfortable in talking to their boys about periods or you know consent and those sorts of things but again it's about demonstrating isn't it if you give your children good role models if you demonstrate you know what 
what good men are and put good men in front of them and show them mm. that that's what they can be uh, and you know show them men that have respect for women then you know actions speak mm. louder than words in some cases mm. don't they and they will yeah. even if they're not having that verbal narrative they will hopefully take a lot of that in by osmosis okay we have run out of time so thank you so much to all of you um final words hannah i'm going to come to you first final words on raising feminist boys encourage them to read a range of books mm, good point yeah reesh i don't know i just used mine up I haven't got any more. That's it. I'm oh, out. That was such a good one, though. Like, that's a double that whammy there. Role model, yeah. role model. Yeah, <laughs> We'll take that. Yeah, ask them, what would the Kardashians do? That's what Reese said. <laughs> what <would he> <laughs> no, that, it was probably worse. I was thinking of a uh, little, little Nas X, actually. So, oh, you yeah, know. little Nas X. <laughs> yeah. No, do you know what? We could get t-shirts. What would little Nas X do? I, I'm yeah, down with yeah. Yeah, there we go. Tina, <laughs> final words. I can cope with that. <laughs> um, it's, it's okay for them not to be okay. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. So similar for me, actually, you know, let them cry, let let them have emotions and let them talk about them. I've Brilliant. thought of one. I've thought of one. Oh, Just oh, before oh, we go oh, very quick there. Very quick there. Right. It's, I know. I know. <laughs> No, right. It's there's. Uh, it's just a, a final thought, actually, because there's actually loads of um, you know Instagram um, followings and groups that are coming out now. And um, one that comes to mind is Boys Get Sad Too. And there's lots of. Um, there's one that's. Um, uh, you're right, and the you know you OKG. Sorry, that's it. And it's a um, music producer that's you know teamed up with somebody else. So actually, there's a lot of people that are cool if you like that are now in the space that are talking about it a lot more so go find those people support those too because they're doing an awful lot to to support uh boys talking yeah absolutely yeah. can point. i do another one see this reached it <laughs> go on quickly go on <laughs> just to, just to kind of go on with what gina said it's okay if you don't get this right all the time like yeah just, you know, don't perfect. beat yourself up for it just keep trying keep you know go again yeah oh, absolutely yeah you're gonna yeah. fuck them up one way or another so uh <laughs> absolutely yeah we're, yeah we're, we're nobody's gonna get to the age of 18 and not need therapy for something so excellent that's okay. the way to finish this call isn't it you'll fuck them anyway so you know brilliant Thank you very much to everybody who has watched this on Facebook Live. Please do leave us a comment. We will see it afterwards. If you are listening on a podcast, thank you very much. Please subscribe to the channel and leave us a rating or a review. It genuinely helps. And if you are watching us on YouTube, subscribe below, guys. Uh, leave us a comment as well and tell your friends. And uh, we will love you forever. That's it. Ready to wave, girls. Ready to wave. See you soon.